If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open to 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to look there today. There was a tourist vacationing on the island of Malta. It's a Mediterranean island that is hot every day of the year and always very sunny. And he was just appalled at the chaotic traffic. Cars and buses were darting every which way. There was no apparent order whatsoever. And so the tourist asked a policeman why the traffic is so disorderly. And the policeman said, well, in some countries they drive on the right side of the road. In some countries they drive on the left side of the road. Here we drive in the shade. (laughs) See, our world is full of people who want to drive in the shade. They don't want to take the heat of any kind. They want to cool their heels and drink lemonade and kick back and relax and take the easy way through life. But I believe the Apostle Paul was the exact opposite of that. Because he had a whatever-it-takes attitude. He had a zeal, a passion, a fire. You could even call it an obsession to win people to Christ. He makes this statement in 1 Corinthians 9 that's captured beautifully by Eugene Peterson in the message. Uh, Listen how he puts it. He said, Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. In other words, Paul is saying, I will do anything. I will go anywhere. I will pay any price. I will endure any cost. I will make any sacrifice in order to win anyone at any time to Jesus. As long as it doesn't compromise my biblical principles or the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, in in the NIV, we see six times where Paul talks about winning others. He says in verse 19 that I might win more. Verse 20, that I might win the Jews. That I might win those who are under the law. Verse 21, that I might win those who are without law. Verse 22, that I might win the weak. And that I might, by all means, save some. Now, don't get the impression that Paul was a people pleaser. He was anything but that. He said in Galatians 1.10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul would never have said, Oh, to the thief I become a thief. To the drunkard I become a drunkard. To the adulterer I become an adulterer. No, his message was non-negotiable. Early in this chapter he said, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. The message is non-negotiable, but the method is flexible. Every church should have a a whatever-it-takes attitude. But be careful before you say that. Because when you say, you better mean it. We need to have a whatever-it-takes attitude to reach the next generation, to reach the homosexuals, to reach the minorities, to reach teenagers, to reach millionaires, to reach homeless, to reach anyone and everyone. 
See, remember, whenever you say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, the it always takes from you. It always charges a price and comes with a cost. And Paul knew that. He knew if he was going to achieve his passion, his desire, his goal of winning people to Christ, he would have to give up some things. Because that's what it takes. See, Paul was willing to give up preferences. Let's look at our scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20. He said, To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Paul was a Jew, but he was not just an ordinary Jew. He was a new Jew, a free Jew. He was no longer under the law. He was under love. His life is under new management. Right? He no longer had this legalistic relationship with God. He had a loving relationship with God. When others were chanting, I want my rights, Paul said, I'm willing to give up my rights for what is right. The souls of men and women and children are more important than any rights I may have. See, Paul had something that, that Jewish people didn't have. They, they were people of legalism. They had to keep the law, or so they thought, in order to be right with God. But Paul was under liberty. He was free from the demands of the law. And yet he adopted their customs. Whatever their ceremonial laws dictated, he was willing to do. Right? If they didn't eat pork, he didn't eat pork. If they didn't eat meat sacrificed to idols, he didn't eat meat sacrificed to idols. If their sensibilities demanded a certain feast be observed, Paul observed it. And why did he do that? Well, well, he didn't do it to appease them. He didn't do it to affirm what they believed. He did it in order to open a door of opportunity so that he could preach the gospel of Jesus and win them to the Lord. See, there's a difference between compromising convictions and minimizing preferences. Paul's not talking about giving up convictions. But preferences. He wasn't thinking of accommodating the message, but he was determined that he wasn't going to jeopardize his ability to preach the gospel by unnecessarily offending people. Now, if the message is an offense, so be it. Right? In 1 Corinthians 1, he said, We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Gentiles foolishness. But where the message might be offensive... Paul was determined the man would not be offensive. There's a great illustration in Acts 16. It's the first time he takes this young man, Timothy, his, his son in the gospel, with him. And Timothy's father was a Gentile. Therefore, he was considered Gentile. And he loved God and wanted to reach people for Christ. And verse 3 tells us this. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region for they all knew his father was a Greek. Now why did Paul do that? We well, didn't believe Gentiles needed to be circumcised to be saved. In fact, he knew that it wasn't the outward circumcision that saved someone, but the inward circumcision of the heart. And he did it for the same reason. It was not to make legalists happy. It was not to tone down the offense of the gospel. He just wanted Timothy to be able to identify with the Jewish people so they might listen to his message. He wanted Timothy to meet people where they were. In other words, he was building bridges and tearing down barriers. It wasn't an act of compromise. 
It was an act of conviction. People needed to be saved. And we need to get the message to them at any cost. And to do that, sometimes we have to give up our personal preferences. What we like. What we want. For the sake of the gospel. Paul also gave up his privileges. Uh, Continue, verse 21. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. So Paul became as one without law in the ritual sense, in the ceremonial sense, not in the moral sense. He, Paul was not one to say, now that you're saved, you can live any way you want to and do what you want. He was not espousing the philosophy, when in Rome, do as the Romans. If you want sinners to hear you, you need to sin with them. No, that, that's not at all what Paul was talking about. See, he was talking about the Old Testament ceremonial law. When he ministered to Gentiles, he dropped all of the Jewish ritual ceremonial traditions. When he was with the Gentiles, he followed Gentile customs, as long as it didn't violate biblical principle. When he was in Jerusalem, he followed Jewish religious customs. They observed the feasts and Sabbaths, so did he. They followed Jewish dietary laws, so did he. And Let me put it this way. When he was with the Gentiles, he had barbecue pork. When he was with the Jews, it was barbecue beef. See, Paul was not doing this to be deceptive with his message. He was doing it to be direct with the message so that he could eliminate any hindrances and tear down any walls and remove any excuse so that he could straightforwardly preach the gospel of Jesus. That's why he said, to the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. Now who are the weak? Well, he was referring to those immature believers those that didn't understand the liberty they had in Christ. For example, in the Jewish community, there were new Christians that still wanted to observe the Sabbath and attend synagogue and follow the dietary laws and maintain the feasts and observe the ceremonies and everything from the Old Testament. And Paul said, okay, when I'm around the weak, I'll be like the weak. I'll do what they do. Among the Gentiles, there were those who had been saved out of idolatry. And so they didn't want to have anything to do with meat sacrificed to idols. And Paul knew there was no such thing as an idol, that there was only one God, and meat sacrificed to idols tastes just as good as meat that wasn't sacrificed. He didn't have any fears or superstitions. But when he was with the Gentiles, he didn't eat the meat. Again, Paul understood that liberty is limited by love. And if you're going to win people to Christ, you can't always do what you want to do. But you must always do what you ought to do. So again, why did Paul go to all this trouble? Because he's not talking about compromise. He's talking about to condescend. See, the difference is this. To compromise, you, you set aside your truth and you either change or weaken the gospel. But to condescend, you just remove anything that needlessly offends other people or would unnecessarily grieve their conscience. And you set aside a liberty that is personal, that is optional, that's unnecessary. See, if we're going to win others, we have to give up our personal privileges. And finally, Paul was willing to give up his prerogatives. L- listen to verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. 
Let me say it again. Paul was not willing to sacrifice the message, but he was willing to sacrifice the messenger to win people to Jesus. He was determined to break down the barriers and build up bridges to a world lost in sin and in need of a Savior. And here's the principle that I really want you to take home with you today. As Christians, we are free from the law, but we are slaves to the lost. The saint is a slave to the sinner. See, that that phrase in that verse, made a slave, it describes this exceedingly secure bond of abject slavery. Paul was basically saying that I place myself under bondage to every person who does not know Christ, that I might win as many to Christ as I can. Now, the principle of voluntary slavery was pictured in the Old Testament. Exodus 21 said, If the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. You see, back then the Israelites were permitted to keep fellow Jews as slaves for only six years. And on the seventh year, they had to be set free. But if a Jew voluntarily chose to continue serving as a slave, his master literally put his ear against the doorpost, took an awl, and drove it through the ear. And that hole in his ear was assigned to everyone. He was not a servant because he had to be, but because he wanted to be. And what Paul is saying, if you can believe it, is he voluntarily relinquishes his rights, his liberties, his freedoms to be a slave to others who don't know Christ. In effect, he perforated his heart on behalf of the unsaved. And you know, I think of this passage and this fear of of a whatever-it-takes spirit, and I think about a great man of God named David Livingston. He, He was a brilliant man. When he was 20, he went to school and studied Greek theology. He went on to Glasgow University and graduated with a degree in medicine. Was a brilliant person and could have done anything he wanted to. But he surrendered to God and went to the mission field. And of all places, God sent him to Africa. Now at that time, no white man had ever entered the interiors of Africa. Though there were some missionaries on the coast, none of them dove into the heart, to the villages of that continent. And so that's exactly where he went. As a pioneer minister to Africa, he walked not only through the jungles of wild beasts and poisonous snakes, but through the personal jungles of hurt and heartache. One day a lion leapt on him and clamped his teeth on his shoulder and crushed it. And he could never use it the same again. Well, they took him to the coast to nurse him to health and there he met this young woman named Mary. They fell in love and got married and had five children. And while crossing one of the vast plains of Africa, one of the children died. And so they concluded it would be safer for his wife and children to go back to Scotland. And Livingston made the most difficult choice in his life. For five years, he didn't see the faces of his wife and children. Finally, he went home for some much-needed rest, spent some time with his family, but soon it was time to return. And for years and years again, he didn't see his wife and children. Finally, he received a letter that caused his heart to leap. Mary was coming to Africa. The children were old enough now, she could leave them. And for months, she traveled until they were finally together again. But her trip was so difficult, she was struck by an African fever. 
And even though David Livingston devoted every ounce of medical skill to trying to save her, she died. And he buried his wife under this huge African baobab tree. And when he finished placing the marker there, he fell on the mound of dirt and wept. But also on that day, he wrote in his spiritual journal, My Jesus, my King, my life, my all, I again dedicate my whole self to Thee. I shall place no value on anything I possess or anything I may do except in relation to the kingdom of Christ. He plunged deeper into Africa and served for many more years until eventually he died serving on that mission field. Now think about this. 25 years after the death of David Livingston, there were 10 million Christians in Africa. Today, there are over 300 million. And it's all because one man said, you know what? Whatever it takes, I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere, I'll pay any price, I will count any cost so that I might win some to Christ. That needs to be the heart and the passion of each and every one of us who call on the name of Jesus. May we each do everything we can so that some will come to know Christ. Pray with me. Father God, we, we come this morning and we thank you. <laughs> and we ask you for your help. We ask you for your guidance. Lord, if there's anything in our lives that is a hindrance from others to come to know you, help us to remove it. And give us your spirit. Give us your strength, Lord, to do whatever it takes to bring people to you. Help us to share your gospel, to show your love to everyone that desperately needs it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.